That was incredible, just awesome, really was. And uh, Pastor T mentioned I've been under the weather. You have to be careful with that. That's a regional type term. When I lived in Australia, I arrived there and they were telling me a few things uh, when I was a missionary there. They said, now pastor, there are some things you say stateside you don't want to say here. And then they, they began to tell me the story of their pastor before me who had got up and announced to his congregation, please pray for my wife. She is home today. She's under the weather. And under the weather there means you have a hangover. <laughs> so uh, for all of our Aussie friends, and they do tune in occasionally to our website, uh, that's not what Pastor T meant. All right? But if you have your Bibles with you, John chapter 18 to begin with, and then uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, reading uh, Colossians 1 verse 20 and then Ephesians 2. If you have your bulletin, inside your bulletin you're going to find a study sheet. It has all of those uh, reference points in there for you. And uh, you will notice there are only two main points. Would you turn to your neighbor and say amen? amen. But I do have six subpoints. I just couldn't bring myself. I knew I have limited time this morning with you because of the play. And we're going to close out our series. We've been talking uh, about the cross of Christ. We've called this series CrossFit. No pain, no gain. And of course we use the play on words there that because Jesus knew the pain of the cross, we know the gain of eternal life. And that's what this whole series has been about. This is the fifth lesson of five, so we're going to close out today with the series. What we've been doing is we've been looking at five prepositional phrases in the Bible. That's what the Lord laid on my heart when I started this series. And we've talked about on the cross, in the cross, of the cross. Last week we dealt with by the cross. And so today we're going to conclude with the phrase through the cross. Through the cross. And if you will uh, look with me at John chapter 18, uh, you might be wondering, uh, Pastor, how does this sort of segue from the play to the message of the cross? Well, in reality, Christmas is really not about the babe in the manger. It's about the Christ on the cross. That's really what it's all about. If you were to ask Jesus why he came, why did he become enfleshed? Why did the word become flesh? We have the answer in John chapter 18, verse 37. So I want to begin with you from his testimony. He is before Pilate. Pilate is about to have him crucified or set him free, basically. And of course, we know he was under the pressure of the people and decided instead to give the people what they were asking for, which was uh, Christ crucified. But he asks Jesus a question, and Jesus has a very interesting answer for him. Pilate, the Bible says in verse 37, said to him, Are you then a king? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Jesus said, listen, Pilate, this is the reason that I was born. This is why I came into the world. What's he referring to? The crucifixion. The fact that you are about to turn me over to them and I'm about to be crucified, this is the reason I came. Why did he need to do this? 
Well, because uh, the Bible tells us that we might be reconciled to God. Let me show you a couple of verses pertaining to that. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now that's an interesting phrase, through the blood of his cross. Now the Bible says that he gave peace. That's going to be sort of the topic of our theme today as we move through this, this message. But look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. This is a little lengthier passage, so bear with me a moment. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. And listen carefully to what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, to the Christians at Ephesus. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ... For he himself is our peace. There's that word again, peace. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making, what's the word? Peace. Notice verse 16, very important verse. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. There's our phrase, through the cross. What, what is done through the cross? The reconciliation of man. Well, what does it mean to reconcile? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But let's read on, verse 17. And he came and preached peace. There's that word again. He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, what does all this mean? Well, what the Bible is saying is that through the cross, and particularly through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, he brought peace. Well, why did we need peace? He brought reconciliation. What does that word reconcile literally mean? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you, and go ahead and write down the two main points in your study sheet. There are two types of peace that are available because of the cross of Christ. The first kind of peace we're going to talk about is the peace that uh, we have or can have with our maker. With God our maker. The second kind of peace is the peace we can have with all mankind. Now you're probably familiar with the text. I'll go ahead and share it with you again, but it's a pretty famous passage during this time of year. Luke chapter 2, verse number 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, here's the word again, peace. On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. 
Now it's interesting, and some of you that were with us in our series earlier, you may be saying, well, pastor, didn't you just preach on how Christ causes division? Any of you remember that? Three of you do? That's good. Uh, we talked a little bit about how that the person of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary actually can be quite divisive. Why? Because if you believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, it separates you from all others who tend to believe there are other options in other ways. Am I right? So, so there will be some division. But there's a difference in there being division and being divisive. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But let me come back to this thought with you about peace that we can have with God. Reconciled to God. Often as a counseling pastor, I have people in my office or I go and see people, maybe a husband and wife, maybe a couple of friends who, who have had trouble with one another and they're trying to get it right. And they are in need of what we would call reconciliation. What does, what does that involve? To, to reconcile is to restore. And we're going to look at three things really quickly. Uh, the subpoints in your study sheet if you want to write them down. If we are going to have peace with God and understand what it is to have peace with our maker. Number one or letter A. Let us learn about reconciliation with God. Let us learn about this thing. We throw that phrase out there, and it's a big phrase, and it's a great theological term, but quite honestly, people don't understand what it means. To reconcile literally is to restore a relationship, to bring something back. It's to restore a friendship. Uh, somebody might be seated here today or listening, by the way, of, of internet, and, and they may be thinking, well, I, I don't really need to be reconciled to God because I've never been at odds with God. Well, uh, you might find it interesting to note that you were born separated from God because you were born in sin. What does that mean? Well, sin has separated us from God, the Bible tells us. Well, what does this all go back to? Often in that counseling setting where I'm talking to a husband and wife or uh, maybe a, a couple of brothers in the Lord or a couple of sisters in Christ who have had some struggles, we start with a, the question that sounds something like this. What happened? Tell me what happened. Let's, let's talk about it in a minute. What went on? Well, he left the top off the toothpaste for the final... No, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, but what happened? If you don't deal with the what happened, you can't move over into the reconciliation. Am I right? If you can't understand why there has been a problem to begin with, you really can't reconcile. And, and having said that, we go all the way back to the garden whenever God told Adam and Eve what to do and they didn't do it. They rebelled against God. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were told not to. And, and so they sinned against God. And from there, the Bible tells us that sin was passed on. We inherited the sin of Adam. So what, what we have is, we have need of being reconciled to God. Somebody listening to this message may say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I treat people well. I, I'm morally right. I, 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 I consider other people. I give away stuff to people. I'm, I'm a kind individual. Well, all that is wonderful, but that doesn't make you reconcile with God. You got to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your sin and then that washes away the sin. So without the cross of Christ, you could never be reconciled to God, nor could anyone else. And that's important that we comprehend. So there is a need to be reconciled to God. Uh, it's been made available to us. The blood of Jesus Christ is what reconciles us, washes away our sin. But you've got to, by faith, trust that work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that leads me to letter B. Let us lean 
on the redemptive work of God. Lean on the redemptive work. And by that word, I mean trust. You've got to trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. You can't trust in anything else. It's not by works that we have done. But it's only through faith and by grace that we can be saved. Jesus Christ did it all. We talked about that earlier in our series uh, when we dealt with the sayings of Jesus. One of those sayings, quite famous, is, It is finished. It is finished. Remember that? It is finished. And literally all it means is uh, he's taking care of everything uh, when it comes to our salvation and provided us with all that we need to be saved. So let us lean on that redemptive work. Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 reads this way. Therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God. Did you catch that? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Now let me pause a moment. The verse goes on uh, and it says, uh, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But, but look at what it says. By faith we have access to this. Having access to something doesn't mean that you've taken advantage of entering in. The fact is that Jesus Christ paid for our sin. The fact is that through the blood of Christ shed on the cross of Calvary, we have the payment for our sin that has been made available to us. What you have to do and what I have to do is then take access, go through that by faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did. And then we are at peace with God. May I stop for a moment and say this to you, there's a difference in the peace with God and the peace of God. You cannot have the peace of God if you have not first experienced peace with God. Peace with God, peace with God literally means that you have accepted the redemptive work of Christ and you have been reconciled. Your relationship with him has then been restored. And that leads me to the last of the three under this heading letter C in your study sheet let us live in a relationship with God live in a relationship with God God is a personal God he is a personal savior can I get an amen? amen he's a personal savior and he wants a relationship with you but you've got to want one with him and you've heard this said numerous times I know and what I'm sharing with you is nothing new but in case you're here today and you still haven't made that decision let me say it it's not about religion it's about relationship your relationship with Jesus Christ, your relationship with God. You want to uh, have that thing right before you go on today, if at all possible. And let me encourage you to do that. Well, then what about peace with man? Peace with man. I find it interesting in the scriptures that uh, uh, the Bible is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2, that he has broken down the middle wall of separation. Paul talked about things like it didn't matter whether you were a Gentile or a Jew or who you were, Jesus Christ died for you. And in the world that we live in, let's, uh, let's be honest with ourselves and, and, and be, um, be somewhat transparent this morning. We have a nation that at least by its own media claims to be a very divided nation. We have a lot of division. We have a lot of different opinions. We are divided politically. We are uh, divided uh, racially. We are divided religiously. There are a lot of division. Uh, there's a lot of division in the world that we live in. But let me explain something. It doesn't have to be that way and it shouldn't be that way. And that's not what Christ teaches and it's not what the Bible teaches. Now there's a lot of people who will amen this and understand this and yet we still don't live it. 
And so I want to encourage you as your pastor and as your friend, pay attention to what the Word of God teaches. Pay attention to what happened on the cross of Calvary. I want you to understand what takes place here. And to do that, I've got three little subpoints for you. And you want to write them down. If we're going to be at peace with mankind, the first thought is, let us love people like Jesus. Let's learn to love people the way Jesus loves them. I don't know uh, what you uh, think your love is like or what Jesus loved like, but I want to stop for a moment and remind you that at the cross of Calvary, it does not matter who you are or where you're from or what your social status is, what your financial status is, what the color of your skin is, what anything else, what your political affiliation is. None of that matters when you come to the cross of Calvary. What matters is that you understand that you are in need of reconciliation. You take the red blood of Jesus Christ and apply it to your sin. Have it washed away. That's what matters. Nothing else matters. And we have this in common with one another. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, we come to the cross the exact same way and we have the same love poured out on us. And this is important that we understand and we are to love like he loves. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Uh, that's, uh, that should be, um, uh, well that is the law and commandments contained in ordinances so as create himself one new man from the two making peace. I believe that should be, um, that's the correct title on that isn't it? For some reason I had a, a brain lapse, must be the um, medication I'm on. You'll forgive me for that. It's being under the weather. John chapter 13 and verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Did you catch that? As I have loved you. Now, now hold on just a minute. Most of us enjoy the fact that he loves us. And most of us want that love the way he gives it, which is unconditional. And we, we marvel in that, and we, we relish that. We love that about God's love. But, but now, it's different for us to love others the way he loves us. And that's what he said. You want to know how you're to love somebody else? Well, it's the same way Christ loves you. That's how. Man, that's tough. I didn't say it's going to be easy. I, I, I said we were supposed to do it. Matter of fact, second thing uh, underneath this point I want to show you is let us lift people toward Jesus is the second thought. And I want to take a moment and remind you that, that in order to do this, in order to lift others, in order to edify others, in order to build others, you've got to think like Christ would have you think and not think the way you're inclined to think. Because the way that our flesh wants us to think is called carnal in the Bible, by the way. And, and in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we find these words beginning in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Now Paul says, wait a minute, I, I want to share some things with you on a spiritual level, but quite honestly, you're not able to handle it, he says, to the church at Corinth. He said, because you're still thinking carnally. You're still thinking like the flesh wants to think. You're still thinking, may I say it this way, the natural way instead of the supernatural way. The longer you live with the Lord in relationship with him, and the longer you walk with him, the more you start trying to think the way he thinks. 
And the more you try to figure out why he does what he does, and then you try to emulate what he does. And, and if you've not been walking with the Lord very long, this is hard for you to comprehend. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, and you still haven't picked up on it, let's get with it. Amen? Let's quit wasting time and start paying attention. First thing he said to us was, I want you to love like I love, okay? I got to work on that one, but I'll, I'll be happy to work on it. Then I want you to notice what he says besides this. He said, I can't speak to you as spiritual, but I have to speak to you as carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Can I say it to you this way? Paul said, look, there are some things I'd really like to share with you. There are some things I'd like to, to go deeper with you in. There are some spiritual matters I'd really like to get across to you. But the truth of the matter is, I've been feeding you with milk. That is, I've just been taking it real easy on you. I've been giving you a little bit. You're not able to handle the meat yet, so I've just been giving you a little bit of milk. He said, is this not true, uh, that, that you're carnal? Just take a look at what's happening. You've got envy going on. You've got strife there. You've got division there. All these things are of the flesh. They're not of the spirit. So he said, this is what's happening. He said, Do you, are you not behaving like mere men? And the emphasis is, are you not behaving like people who are lost? Wow. You say, well, I just feel this way because everybody else feels this way. Well, how does Jesus feel? Because you're not supposed to be looking what everybody else. <laughs> that's, not our, that's not our example. Amen? So let us lift others toward Christ. And the only way you're going to do that is to understand more about the way he would have us to live. And, and, and let's make it, and I know this is uh, toward the end of the year. It's not the end of the year. But, but let's make it a New Year's resolution that we might come off of some of the milk and start digesting a little more of the meat. Amen? Let's, uh, let's put our teeth into that. Uh, Wednesday night we're having teriyaki chicken and teriyaki steak. And I'm looking forward to that, man. That's good stuff. I'll fast all week long till then. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, uh, but the truth of the matter is, you, you like an occasional steak. Now, I know some of you, you're vegetarians, and you're not right with God, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, that's the medicine speaking. It wasn't me. I'm just kidding. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 says this, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, now there's a little inference there, and that is sometimes it's not possible. But let's not give up so quick. Amen? Amen? As much as possible, live peaceably. You ought to be right with people, man. You don't have something right, go get it right. That's what God's telling us to do. Live peaceably with them, whether we work with them, live by them, uh, regardless of, or live with them if it's your spouse and you know. But you ought to live peaceably with people. And this ought to be something we're working toward. And then last of all, I want to share with you, uh, letter C in that uh, outline, let us lead people to Jesus. Let us lead people to Jesus. You're to be at peace with all men. Let us lead them to Christ. Listen, you can't lead them to Christ if you're at odds with them and you're divided with them and you're uh, having problems uh, with them and, and they won't listen to you and you don't even want to share Christ with them. And so this is important. I love that emphasis in our play that we just saw. Give it away. Take, take, uh, take the things of Jesus and just give them away. I was reminded of little Jody who uh, had a little brother. Uh, and uh, 
uh, little Jody, little girl, she, she said to her little brother, she called him over, little Bobby, she said, uh, Let, let's play Christmas. And, and so little Bobby said, well, okay. She said, I'll be Santa Claus and you be the present and I'll give you away. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about giving Jesus away. And the Bible tells us things like Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, the way that you're living in the, in the culture you live in has a lot to do with how your message is going to be perceived. And then the scripture goes on in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Listen, it's all about finding others that need Jesus and sharing him with others. And this is a great time of the year to do it. And by the way, while, while this is a wonderful time of the year for so many people, it can also be a very discouraging time for a lot of people. Sometimes the financial woes kick in. Sometimes uh, the emotional trauma is experienced. And you have a chance to love them like Jesus loves them and a chance to lead them to Christ and share with them what Jesus is all about. I'll close with the old hymn, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, the writer said. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth.